Are you ready to the Broadway equivalent of rock? In this episode, we discuss Rock of Ages. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Over here is Elliot Kalin. And why am I saying my name second when usually I say my name third? Because I'm Hallie Haglund. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the logic flows there. Yeah. Uh, fan favorite, uh, special guest, Hallie Haglund is back. Fan fiction favorite. We got your we got your great stories, guys. <laughs> <laughs> because Stuart had to uh, work. Yeah, there's no, there's no exciting story behind. Look, why we can tell here. a glamorous tale about Stuart being out on some adventure, seducing women, rescuing the house cat from kidnappers. Globe, Who knows? Globe trotting, globe trotting, and trot globing. Mm-hmm. But no, he's just working tonight. So, but we got our old buddy Hallie back. You may remember her from the or Zookeeper episode. I'm, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> let's be honest. None of us are except Benjamin Button. Yeah, but he's gross. <laughs> he is gross <laughs> since he is an old man trapped in a baby's body. Um, but uh, to reset for uh, new listeners or old listeners who like to hear the same thing every time. Nope, nobody does. This, this is, is the part of the show that reminds me of the opening to every Encyclopedia Brown book where they have the same two makes, pages yeah. that explain the premise of Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown and be like, can we just get on with the story already? Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Brown was so smart that people called him Encyclopedia. His dad wished he could explain who was helping him solve all these crimes, but he knew he'd be laughed out of the police academy <laughs> because he'd say it was his <laughs> own young son. <laughs> well, they, think about it. Everyone, look, think of what they put up with in the police academy, and they don't laugh people out of it. Mm-hmm. Him, they laugh him out. He doesn't even do sound effects. Uh, this is a, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we discuss it. Uh, tonight we watched a little movie, actually a very big movie, yeah. a long movie, very full cool. of a lot of star power. Oh yeah, oh, superstars, too big. many stars. The sky was empty. Because they were all in nice <laughs> What a horrifying idea. The stars have disappeared. These are the end times. Rock of Ages. Oh, no, they're just in Rock of Ages. Oh, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. All the stars are in it. Beetlejuice, <laughs> Sirius, the dog star, <laughs> Soul, our own son. Not Beetlejuice, the, the ghost star. character. Beetlejuice, the star. Okay. It predated the ghost, you know. Sure. Star 552764. Five, <laughs> he was and there. Terry's Altair. Um, the bit's over. Okay, I'm sorry. It's okay. The belt of Orion. <laughs> All three of them. Ursa Major and Minor. Three. The North Star, the Pole Star, Venus, which is was known in the past as the Morning Star. Mm, poor Pole Star. Reduced to stripping. <laughs> so Rock of Ages was the movie we watched. Yeah, it's a movie based on the famous jukebox musical of the same name. Now, Dan, what is a jukebox musical? I'm glad you asked, Elliot, for the purposes of this podcast. It's a movie, uh, or a musical, rather, (laughs) made up of songs that were not original to that musical, but uh, compiled together. So you mean like Singing in the Rain? Yes, like Singing in the Rain, that was with the Freed and Something songbook. Yeah. Um, Jersey Boys? Yeah, 
Frankie Valley. Jersey uh, Boys. People may remember the We Will Rock You. Tony and Tina's Pr- Wedding, I'm assuming. No. Well, <laughs> Mama Mia is a jukebox musical with ABBA. Uh, there was a musical called Crazy For You that was all Gershwin songs. There was Good Vibrations, which was all Beach Boys songs. You get the idea. Uh, You're not dumb. There was Leper Messiah, which was a Metallica jukebox <laughs> musical. Les Miserables. <laughs> and who can forget Ass Face, the Gigi Allen jukebox <laughs> musical. Fuck the Pain the Way, the Peaches musical. <laughs> Uh, but this was a jukebox musical of hair metal. Well, primarily. let's that okay loosely, gonna, loosely termed. Loosely termed. There were it was. I, let's call it eighties rock. Yeah, because metal, despite the presence throughout the movie of a Motorhead billboard, mm-hmm. metal is not to be seen in this movie. <laughs> you were very disappointed that Motorhead I was, never. They showed are up. promising Motorhead. You expect <laughs> you someone to me wistfully in the middle of the movie and say, Dan. Is Motorhead ever going to show up? And like, I had to say, no, Elliot, I don't think they are. All they needed to make me like this movie was to have a character sing Ace of Spades. <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah. Just didn't happen. Well, that's why I said that's why I said hair metal, though, because I don't think that uh, your more hardcore metal genres were represented. They were not. Let's call it hair hair rock. How about that? Hair rock, ballads. A lot of power ballads. Mm-hmm. A lot of, let's just call it 80s hits. Yeah. The first song is... K-Rock starts, top rate, compilation of favorites. Yeah, exactly. The, a lot of the songs in this movie where a song would start and I would say to Dan and Hallie, what song is this? And then the chorus would start and I'd go, oh, I recommend. I recognize yeah. this from commercials for, for co- compilations of 80s songs. There were a lot of times when Elliot said, hey, what song is this? And I would pretend like I didn't hear him because I didn't know until the chorus came <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm glad to hear I wasn't alone then, yeah. Because I know Whereas, Dan has an encyclopedic knowledge I, of crap. I had a surprising uh, knowledge from the opening chords of songs, what, what song was being played. Yeah, and, and then Dan would say, my... isn't it uh, this song? And I would say, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my purview necessarily, but somehow over the years. It's not your perv view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we Thanks, know buddy. all about your perv views. Yeah, it's the holes that you carve into the walls <laughs> outside that all-girls nursing school. <laughs> Is that where they learn to be nurses or when they learn to nurse? A little bit of both. <laughs> Dan's a perv. Thanks, guys. Now, uh, should we talk about what happens in this movie? Well, I think you could probably... Imagine what happens in this movie. I, I don't think sa- so. All we've said is yeah. a jukebox musical with 80s power ballads. I, I didn't imagine what happened in that. For all, imagine that someone's movie. trying to construct a musical comedy around pre-existing songs, and then just imagine the generic plot that that would be. Okay, so and that's pretty let, close. To let me this. try to guess it. A caveman and an astronaut <laughs> okay. fall in love at a discotheque. You. Suddenly, a volcano erupts. <laughs> It turns out that the Babylonian god Bel Marduk is angry. They're going to have to find five magic gemstones, each of which is buried inside of a different famous singer's brain. Much like Frankenstein's monster, you may have an abnormal brain. May have. (laughs) I was going to say it's your typical uh, girl uh, from a small town, comes to the big city seeking fame and fortune, meets boy. Yeah, a girl named Uh, Sherry comes to... from. Los Angeles. We first no, meet. She comes to Los so, Angeles. Sorry, comes to Los Angeles from Oklahoma, from Tulsa. We first meet her on a bus. She is flipping through her record albums and touching them longingly, which establishes that she likes music. And then mm-hmm. she and the bus, or she has a fetish for album sleeves. <laughs> That's possible. She and the bus passengers sing uh, "Sister Christian." Mm-hmm. And then she shows up in L.A. and everything seems great. No, t- you forgot when she looks at the picture of her grandma. I'm not going to say every detail in the movie. <laughs> wow. 
Well, I thought that was an important detail. She's coming to L.A. with big dreams of being a singer, and she gets mugged, but luckily it's right outside of the famous, I guess, legendary L.A. music spot, the Bourbon Room. Yeah, the Bourbon Room. The Bourbon Room. Is that a real place? I don't think so. Okay. It's just a a placeholder for the Viper Room. Oh, that makes sense. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you fooled me. Uh, The Bourbon Room, which is run by Shaggy's... uh, Rock and roll by bum. Shaggy Too Dope, <laughs> by, by wow. Violent J and Shaggy Too Dope, the insane clown posse. So ICP, you're looking for a brand new sound. No, it's run by Alec Baldwin at his shaggiest and let's just say it, slobby fattest, and his his man Friday, <laughs> Russell Brand. Well, but as I said, like there's no point in this movie though when you then I was able to look at Alec Baldwin and not think that's just Jack Donaghy in a wig. No, like I, like uh, Tracy was... Morgan is having a dream sequence <laughs> where where he's a rock and roll uh, club owner, and that's what it looks like. No, I was just going to say that you did really remind me of Ian McShane from Deadwood, but I guess I was the only <laughs> I one. I think you were in the minority there. I am just watching Deadwood for the first time, so that's just have pretty Deadwood much on my the brain. only frame of reference. Yeah. I remember when we were at the conventions and you were watching The Wire and everything was a comparison to The Wire. <laughs> well, then, fine. <laughs> uh, so and she meets so the girl gets mugged she meets Drew who's a waiter at or no he's a bar back at the bourbon room mm-hmm. but he wants to be a rock and roll singer guitarist songwriter etc he's got big dreams he's got big dreams and they start falling in love and they do at the same time that fading rock and roll legend oh I guess he's at the height of his fame but he's gone he's going mad with power mm-hmm. Stacy Jacks two X's mm-hmm. played by Thomas Cruz he's not going He's lo- it's lonely at the top. He's isolated in his. But own he has gone insane. Nobody loves him. He's, he has he's a, a monkey that follows. He him has around. a monkey that follows him. A baboon, really, who follows him around in different costumes. He says things that make no sense. He seems to be in this constant daze or like haze of alcohol. And his manager, Paul Giamatti, in the likes, best part in the whole movie, way. likes it that way because it makes him more docile and easy to control. Stacy Jacks is about to leave his band Arsenal, although it seems more like he's being kicked out. Because he's so hard to work with. Yeah. Or so mm-hmm. says the Rolling Stone reporter played by, what's her name, Melina Ackerman? Malin. Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman, who interviews him at the back of the Bourbon Room, where Arsenal's going to play its final show before Stacey Jacks begins his solo career. Uh, due to the, and due to the... She's the only one who's going to speak truth to power. Speak truth to power. And the two of them, and it this turns him on in such a way that they have this weird grindy not sex yeah. scene where they strip down to their underwear and then kind of grind on each other a couple times grind and on then each other. say that was amazing. <laughs> oh, when they're singing I want to know what love is, right? During it. Yeah. By this point also I should mention we've heard about 1500 songs. By this point I should mention that Hallie and I are singing along lustily while Elliot is sitting in stone silence. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> this is not my type of music, you know? Sure. Hey, forget about it. If they <laughs> whoa, look, okay. you dislike it so much, you turned into, turn into, turn into a mobster. Hey, oh, get it away, Johnny Donuts. Look, if they had been singing any of Loretta Lynn's big hits, I would have been singing right along. If they were singing any songs from Jesus Christ Superstar, I would have been singing right along. And if they were singing anything from Metallica's first four albums, I would have been singing right along. But no, I don't like any of this music. Singing so, right along, like right. if anything from the Muppet movie, yeah, sure. I would have been singing right along. Uh, if this had been an Enter Sandman jukebox musical, it would have sure. been great. But uh, so where was I? Oh, yes, yeah, so they have their grindy, weird scene. And then 
the hero, the heroine of the movie, who we haven't seen for like 25 minutes, it feels like at this point, the scene between Tom Cruise and this Rolling Stone reporter played by Malin Ackerman goes on for a long time. And it's just yeah. a two-person scene, and every other character is just off-screen for this whole long sequence. But uh, due to possibly the dumbest misunderstanding I've ever seen in a movie, mm-hmm. uh, our heroine walks in, hands him a bottle of liquor, and then drops it. And they walk out again, and she adjusts her shirt, and he adjusts his pants. And the hero, the love interest hero, who's a, on stage opening for, who's about to yeah, open for Arsenal, big break with yeah. as Wolfgang von Colt, which is his performing name. He sees this and is like, "Oh, they must have just slept together." That's the only explanation for why someone would adjust their shirt and then well, another person I mean, adjust their pants. Uh, to be in in fairness to him, it really did look like something had gone on. Okay, yeah. I guess so. It's also Tom Cruise's character in this, and we can talk about this more later if we want to. He's supposed to be exuding this, like, raw animal sexuality that every woman is falling for. Women faint when they see him. But instead, to me, he just comes off as, like, this gross monster man. Well, he said, but I mean... I, he just seemed like how you'd actually expect Tom Cruise to actually be if you talked to him, you know? <laughs> like also, a big weirdo where you're like, I am yeah. worried he's going to snap my neck at any moment. <laughs> like, yeah. Tom Cruise can be really good and stuff, but he can also, like, have that sense, like... I'm Tom Cruise, and I'm super intense, and I've really studied for this. Yeah. And, like, this role felt like I have studied how to be a rock star. That's Maybe that's it. He didn't have a looseness that you expect to yeah. see in a rock star where they're, like, living for the moment and just doing whatever they want, and that's the the fantasy charisma of it, is here's a person who gets to live out our fantasies of not worrying about responsibility and doing whatever, like, being an un, uncontrolled id. But instead he feels so controlled that it seems like he's this coiled, like, scary thing it, like it basically when he enters a room it's not that different from when like freddie enters a room in the in the uh nightmare on elm street movies where you right. he's more of a threat than he is an enticement or at least that's the way i saw him like the other thing is that he looks like glenn danzig and glenn danzig is super scary okay. there's nothing attractive about him at all uh your cat's playing with a straw <laughs> Allie, let's try to be professional. <laughs> For those of you who are listening and can't see it, Dan's cat was playing with a straw. <laughs> but, but so, look, we invited Hallie on on the program for her ineffable Halliness. That's and true. This is a this is a double shot of that. <laughs> Super shot. Uh, hopefully, Hallie will be able to ha- kind of half pay attention to us <laughs> while watching Lulu play with a straw. Okay, so the hero and the heroine break up. The hero has just had a he just had an amazing performance, according to the crowd of uh, "I Want to Rock." So Paul mm-hmm. Giamatti signs him up as a new hot singer, and they go their separate ways. Him rising to the top, and her sinking to the bottom. She quits her job. Soon, she's working as a waitress at a strip club run by Mary J. Blige, and then stripping. And he, in or because rock is going Mother out. Mother Mary, if you will, sort of plays that role in the movie. Mm-hmm. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she's always dressed as a nun, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the nun who runs the strip club, yeah. Yeah, she's very conflicted. Another interesting character. Uh <laughs> The, uh, well, she's really unhappy the whole movie, but nobody ever seems to know why. <laughs> she has, really has no character. She's like she plays the part of the brassy black woman who guides the white woman back to her heart's desire. You know, it was kind of like a brief shot of the help right in the middle of this, or you know, whatever. But uh, the uh, <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to address, uh, by the way, two subplots that have not been mentioned because they're largely totally unrelated. To- <laughs> You got uh, Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand uh, are closeted gay men coming to terms with their well, feelings for each first other. First, they're worried they're going to lose the club because 
they are running they don't have enough money to pay their taxes mm-hmm. uh and but also they fall in love and they sing a duet and kiss each other in I'm just going to go ahead and say the best part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. By far the best part of the movie. If you ever wanted to see Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand sing a song to each other and then kiss. And dance. And there's a brief shot of them on a carousel together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was The weirdest on. was when they were like walking down the stairs and they were doing this simultaneous like hip pump, yeah. you know, that was supposed to be synchronized. I've, 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 I've got to be honest. I didn't find the romance that believable. No, I'm it wasn't sure. very believable. But yeah. even, even after the scene in the beginning where they were pretending to sing into a hairbrush together, they were, they weren't <laughs> singing into a hairbrush. They were singing into a, a beer bottle. Oh, I thought they had a hairbrush also. The raw sexual charisma of Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand put together didn't, uh, didn't just ignite within you, Hal. Maybe if Alec Baldwin didn't look like the dude Lebowski, <laughs> and Russell Brand didn't look like. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah, let's just say it. But it's almost like they're, because they're two people who in most movies do play like highly sexual characters. And it's like when combined, they canceled each other out. Maybe that's, I mean, there's also this movie. Because they both seem so frumpy and unsexual. This movie was directed with a total lack of sexiness, which is weird considering it's all about like the unbridled sexual power of rock and roll and rock and roll forever. And these two young lovers are doing it and they're falling in love. And Tom Cruise is this sex god. But at the same time, it's so chaste and tame as a movie. I was saying earlier in the movie, before that scene came up, I'm like, okay, well, this is a movie about hair metal, which is like, like straight men not realizing how campy they are and somehow harnessing like raw sexuality, even though they're goofy. But there's none of that. And I was theorizing it's because it was directed by a gay man, Adam Shakeman. But then there's no like sexiness in the gay scene either. So. I think it's just a there's a it's a very like cleaned up kind of polished, glossy type of pop sensibility. Like you see whenever like on American Idol or, and I assume the voice or other singing shows, the, the times I've seen it where they sing like a hard rock song. They make it very glossy and poppy. And mm-hmm. even here in a movie that's supposed to be about like rock, rock forever. Oh, this is the best. It still comes off as very pop and like bubblegum. It's yeah. like they've, well, they've kind it's of. It's a musical. I feel like that's what. I mean, Jesus Christ Superstar is a musical, and there's way more edge to that than there is to this. Like, they don't write them like Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> that's true. It is uh, the best of the rock musicals. You guys think for Jesus Christ it's Superstar. It's got amazing songs yeah. in it. All right. It's the greatest story ever told in the greatest songs ever told. Okay. Well, anyway, I was going to get to the other uh, unaddressed side plot, oh, that's right, because Catherine why, Zeta-Jones. Why is Alec Baldwin worried about losing the bourbon room? Because... Yeah. Uh, the mayor of L.A., I Played guess. Played by Brian Cranston. Yeah, TV's Brian Cranston is married. And movies. Let's just say Brian Cranston. He's yeah. in a lot of films. No, he's he's in Argo. Malcolm not, in the Middle's Brian Cranston. I'm not, uh, not Beavis and Butthead Do America's Brian Cranston. People know him from Breaking Bad. That's, uh, that's all I'm saying. But Drives Brian Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he... Ocean Spray <laughs> Cranberry Juice is Brian Cranston. <laughs> really? Uh... <laughs> He uh, he's married to a Tipper Gore esque character played by Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, the only woman so scientific and Greek that Zeta is in her name, <laughs> like Zeta Beams. Mm-hmm. And she's made it her her mission to clean up L.A. from the scourge of rock and roll, which is so weird because L.A. is such a gross city. <laughs> the rock and roll is like a minor threat, and a char- mm-hmm. there's like yeah. a character works in a strip club in this, and she doesn't want to clean out the strip yeah. club. She wants to clean out the rock and roll I mean, club. Like, this makes sense in a movie like Footloose, where it's a tiny town, tiny rural town. Or in The Terror of Tiny Town, if rock and roll had been in that, <laughs> yeah. and it's and it's making all the midgets go astray. <laughs> it's kind of like, 
well, you know, why is Catherine Zeta-Jones in this city in the first place? Like, it seems like there are places for Well, her. the school district's problem. Okay, sure. But here's the thing. It, <laughs> it comes out later that she wants to shut down rock and roll to get at Stacey Jacks because she was a Stacey Jacks groupie and he abandoned her. And now she wants revenge, just like the hit ABC mm-hmm. show, the same name. Just, Although like, in, just in, like Tipper Gore. <laughs> just like, just like Tip, well, Tipper, yeah, Tipper Gore was a, uh, I think, a Fleetwood Mac groupie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it was Guar. I'm sorry. She was a Guar groupie. Guar <laughs> she was a Guarpy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know. So she wants to shut down the bourbon room, and she leads a coalition of, you know, like your, your 80s moral majority Christian women, the kind of women who are always on sitcoms as like the prissy one that nobody that was that was trying to take away the fun for everybody else. Blair, mm. like Blair. Blair Underwood. <laughs> no, Blair for Witch? the facts of life. Oh, that yeah. Blair. But not really like Blair. I was just <laughs> the first prissy. No, she's like Blair. Sure, I'll take that. But, but it's she, but, she's not fun like Joe. Everyone's favorite. Right. All right, guys. Joe. Yeah, of course, she's got a motorcycle. Yeah. No. She doesn't know where she, she can fits. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Her Not motorcycle. Tootie. Tootie is everyone's second favorite because of her name. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this has been the Facts of Life podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, apparently, according to Wikipedia, this is a subplot that was in, that was introduced just for the movie, and it makes sense because, like this, is, like in the eighties, this and the early nineties, I guess this kind of stuff was happening where so Christian morality side. groups were and and conservative politicians were trying to. Right, police rock and roll and, and ge- music in general, but it feels totally shoehorned in, and it's another subplot that disappears for long stretches of the movie, and then suddenly you'll get a lot of it. Like, it feels like they were writing this movie as they went along, as they shot it, and they were like, uh, we haven't done anything with Catherine Zeta-Jones in a while, so let's do a bunch of stuff with her. But it did beget that that awesome medley that was, uh, we're not gonna take it, and, uh, we built this city on rock and roll, which I thought was one of the best musical numbers Cor- <laughs> of the 4,000 musical numbers in the movie. Yeah. It was in the top 3,000. <laughs> uh, but I, can, I think I can tie this up really fast so we can sort of double back and get like, okay. hone but in on the But you never talked details. about how the guy became part of like a New Kids on the Block. Yeah, so true. Drew sells himself out to become famous and joins a New Kids on the Block type group called Z-Boys, which is, leads to my favorite part of the movie, which is the, their, the video shoot for his music video, and they totally cat, capture like the style of that music video. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those moments, there are a, couple, a lot of moments in this movie where like there's a flash of a better, funnier movie. And that moment it's like, oh, like if you had any sense of the style of the times, like you do in this one 30 second moment, this would be a way better movie. Like if it was more of a pastiche and less of a like, you know, basically just like a commercial, I don't know. Yeah. But, but anyway, you're saying wrap it up. Uh, uh, Play us out. Tom Cruise realizes what Paul Giamatti has been doing, and so he... Well, the negative Rolling Stone article comes out. Yeah, he he he, uh, he sort of breaks with him and gives uh, Alec Baldwin uh, the money from his gig that he had previously not given him. He also drinks 150-year-old wine and then pees on Paul Giamatti's foot at, at the, the same, same time. time. Uh, the, our two young lovers uh, reconcile after realizing... <laughs> Hey, this was a fucking stupid misunderstanding that was just generated for the plot. It basically goes like this. I saw you coming out of Stacy Jacks's room. He was adjusting his pants. You thought I slept with Stacy Jacks? You mean you didn't? I'm so sorry. Like, I was in we, love with you. We could have had this conversation talk. months earlier. <laughs>
I uh, didn't have to be a stripper. <laughs> What's also weird is it's one of those strip clubs where that we've talked about on the podcast before where all the strippers wear lots of clothes and don't take them off. And when she comes out to do her strip dance, she's actually wearing more than she's worn at any other point she's in the movie. She's wearing like a one-piece leotard with long <laughs> sleeves. Yeah, with long <laughs> sleeves. It's like the rest of the movie she's wearing these like low-cut shirts that ride up on her belly and super short skirts. And then now it's like, it's time for me to get down and dirty as a stripper. <laughs> I guess I'll put on this robe. I guess I'll put on this bodysuit. <laughs> <laughs> because the most exciting thing is what you what you imagine. But uh It's like the strip scenes in Flashdance where they're more like Twilotharp style avant-garde dance numbers. Yeah, but Tom Cruise is reunited with Malin Ackerman, the only woman who's ever told him the truth about himself. And they fall in love after yeah. he kisses another woman for like a minute and a half. Yeah, that's funny about that. I think we should get back to. But um okay. The, but then uh, the the guy and the girl sing uh, Don't Stop Believing" on stage. Elliot's favorite song. Tom nope. Cruise is like, <laughs> that's that new sound I was looking for. And then cut to a big arena show where Tom Cruise is singing the song and it brings on the special guests, our lovebirds. And rock and roll has triumphed, and Catherine Zeta-Jones is in the audience in some sort of like weird night porter Nazi garb. Yeah, as a as a fan, because she's now I guess just like an S and M rock and roll groupie. Yeah, and uh, Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand are in oh, the audience. I thought audience. she was supposed to become Annie Lennox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole movie was an orgy. <laughs> it's so Lennox. weird. Call it's me by my new name, to Annie Lennox. <laughs> and then it just turns to Paul Harvey. It goes, and now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Iris in, and we're out. <laughs> yeah, well. Wink at camera, Sweet Dreams plays over the credits. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Um, yeah, no, there was some funny and stuff. And then they play uh, Rocky Like a Hurricane over the credits. Yeah. But as you were... As you were alluding to, there's some funnier movies peeking out, and one of the things you were saying was that that kiss scene, like right when like Malin Ackerman and uh, and Tom Cruise are going to be reunited. He's walking he's towards walking to her me. through a crowded room, and then a woman just jumps out and starts kissing Tom Cruise, and uh, and he's like, because he's a rock god, he has to keep kissing this woman, and keeps giving gestures to Malin like, Ackerman, like apologetic looks, like, like, like well, just a minute, sorry about that, but <laughs> it goes on for a really long time. But, uh, like, Malin Ackerman's always, like, also, like, her face is like, yeah, I understand. What are you going to do? Like, uh, no, I get it. I'm sorry, too. <laughs> oh, and at the end, we see that Malin Ackerman is pregnant with a new generation of Stacey Jackses. Yeah. yeah. Of Jack's that babies. so cute. Because girls, apparently, you, you can get pregnant uh, having sex with your underwear on. Yeah. <laughs> we learned. And there was another line. There's another like weird line where like oh well, there's a part Tom where... Cruise like touches every woman in the thing in the movie's breasts, mm. and like at the end he touches Catherine Zeta Jones, and it's like, what is like your tits have your... held up nice, <laughs> yeah, and then he walks that. away. <laughs> and there's, she swoons. <laughs> there's a, the weirdest line that kind of works but kind of doesn't is when uh, the uh, what are they called the boys, the one. Uh, that group that he's in, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Z Boys are on are on stage at the Bourbon Room getting booed because they suck. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alec Baldwin goes, "Wait, that's Drew. I just threw up." And Russell Brand <laughs> goes, "Where?" And he goes, "In my pants, out of my ass," <laughs> and then walks away. <laughs> And it's like this bizarre moment of like, you think he's going to say like, I just threw up in my mouth or something like that. Or but no, he's, he, he is so disgusted by, by this act that he shit himself in the pants. Like, 
It's so weird. Funnier than than the joke itself was watching Elliot's like disbelief and inability to understand. He was like, "Wait, what does that mean? What? Wait, if he threw up in his pants out of his ass?" And you're like, "It's pretty much all there, Elliot." I don't know. No, it just seems so bizarre to me. Pieces together, Encyclopedia Brown. For a movie that feels so programmed and so rote, like. Here's where we have to do this. Here's where we have to do this. Here's where we play this song. To have a character just basically say, like, I just shit myself. <laughs> it feels like it comes out of nowhere, and it's so bizarre. Like, if it was a John Waters movie, that line, I'd be like, all right, whatever, yeah. But it's just like, it's almost like a line from a, a different movie fell into this movie by accident. Well, we've, I mean, we've alluded to this movie's, like, weird tone issues. Like, the movie, like, starts off exactly as you would expect Rock of Ages to, with just, like, a like a medley of, like, cheesy rock songs. And, and very like, big and over the top. Yeah, and, and, and like everything's every happening. Development. Really, yeah. and, and it's then, very cheesy. And then it slows way down for a long two-person scene between Malin Ackerman and Tom Cruise that feels like like a two-man play. Like, like it's like, like a zoo story or something. Or Tracy Let's Bug. You know? <laughs> yeah. But the, it's, it's a very weird back and forth because then you'll get scenes the weird the tone thing that got me was you get scenes that are very cartoony and cheesy like winking at the audience like we know this is silly and then you get other scenes where it's like this is a rocking song and these are rocking people (laughs) are don't you think this is awesome it's like well i mean last scene you were kind of winking at me and telling me how cheesy and ridiculous this is it's kind of hard for me to treat it like they're super cool now i don't know they couldn't. It's like they couldn't pick one tone and stick with it. It's kind of like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter that we watched mm-hmm. last episode, where they. It's a ridiculous, goofy concept, but they wanted you to take it really seriously. But they didn't want to put the work into it to make it worth taking seriously. And at times, this movie had that problem, and other times it was just this silly, ridiculous movie that were full of songs that I don't care for particularly. So, take my criticism for what it's worth, but. Uh, it was also over two hours long, and it seems like that's a big mistake <laughs> to have it an over two hour jukebox musical where there's almost no plot. Yeah, I guess how is that so long? I feel like I was a different age when I started well, watching them. You know, <laughs> there were songs in it, like song take up space. That's why musical plots are so simple, I guess, because like you, you need room, room for, for the, the songs. songs. Yeah, but this one, like it, they. And by the Stacy Jacks gets to the Bourbon Room at the end mm-hmm. to play the night that the Z Boys are also going to play, and there should be like ten minutes left in the movie, I guess, something like that. And Dan had to pause it for some reason. I think he, for an interruption or something, and it showed that because there was like he had just thrown up in his pants <laughs> on his ass a little. <laughs> but and there was like a half hour left in the movie. It was like, how is this possible? This is like the Hobbit Part One and Unexpected Journey of of jukebox musicals. Like, just extend it. We got to keep filling this thing and make it super long. Well, that's like the weird. That's the weird thing. They they took some stuff from the Cimmerillion and they put it in Rock of Ages. It was so weird in, to have Rock of Ages suddenly stop for the origin of Tom Bombadil. <laughs> it's like, what does this have to do with anything? Tom Bombadil loves to sing. He does. That's true. Allie, speaking of love to sing, I feel like you and I appreciated this on a different level. As karaoke fans. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like this movie would be great to stand up in front of and pull a Rocky Horror Picture Show with. Mm -hmm. That would be the way to watch this. Yeah. Not with Elliot, who doesn't like to sing along with with any song. I like to sing along with lots of stuff, just not any of these songs. Mm -hmm. Well. Hallie, we sing all the time in our office. That's true. Yeah, mostly Jesus Jesus Christ Christ Superstar. Superstar. Yeah, sang all the time. What happened, guys? 
What happened between you two? Well, used to be so happy. Hallie, Hallie got a little too big, and uh, it's hard to work with now. In her cocoon, as of, in fat. <laughs> Elliot's had to move into the hall because there's just not enough room for office. two people. She's just in this cocoon of alcohol and girls and her pet monkey that she puts different uniforms on. <laughs> That's true. And Paul Giamatti, her agent. That's why this story touched me so much. It was my biopic. <laughs> They call her Hallie Jacks. I knew I'd always be played by Tom Cruise. Changed a lot of details in there. How was the singing? Did you guys think by the actors? I actually was. I thought it was surprisingly good. I thought the only person who definitely. I mean, obviously they fussed around. They you know they messed with the made voices sound sweeten the voices you know. But I thought the only person who didn't sound like an actual singer was Alec Baldwin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it just sounded like he was... Well, Paul Giamatti a little, but he barely sang. He barely sang. Alec Baldwin sounded like he was kind of like Rex Harrison talk singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Which, but, I mean, he's not a singer. That's what it comes down to. But Tom Cruise did better than I would have expected. Yeah, I thought he sounded great in the Journey song at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he did a fine job. I wish that his acting had been up to the level of his singing. Because yeah. he just... He's... Uh, or I guess it's not even bad acting so much as like it feels like he's playing the wrong character, you know. I mean, we were talking about this, how you were like, like, how did they get all these people to be in this stupid movie? I'm like, I think they probably just wanted to be in a musical. Like, you know, I believe people, it's Hallie who asked that question. And I said, cha-ching, money, that's how. Oh. But but it, in Wikipedia, it says that Tom Cruise had always wanted to be in a musical. Wasn't there something also, though, how they got locked in? I thought I heard something about Yeah, Alec they were locked getting... in a building, and the only way out was to make the movie Rock of Ages. <laughs> it was part of an elaborate prank. As you saw, <laughs> saw, put them in there. Would you like to play a game? <laughs> you could either make a movie of a jukebox musical, his or a bomb's is... going to go off in your head. Okay, his name is not Saw. <laughs> his name is Jigsaw. His name is Jigsaw. <laughs> we call him Saw for short. It's apostrophe Saw. <laughs> These guys like to make a little jukebox musical. <laughs> you can either saw your own leg off or sing Pour Some Sugar on Me. <laughs> I guess I'll sing the song. I mean, can you give me the lyrics? Because I don't know all of them. No, but for reals, I thought that they got locked. Like, I remember Alec Baldwin trying to get out of his contract or something, and they were somehow locked in, mm, and they had to make the movie. Tried to pull a Theodore Rex, I see. Once the he mo- found out, he had to kiss Russell Brand. I mean, Alec Baldwin's trying to get out of everything. Yeah, right, he, he tries to leave 30 Rock every season, and now he's finally got his wish. It's the last season. But I heard that, like, did you read all those reports about how, like, once it was the last season, he's like, hey, guys, let's do a bunch more. <laughs> and he did a tweet. That she tweeted from the last read-through that was like, the last 30 Rock read-through. Wow. And it's like, you've been trying to leave this yeah. show for, like, four years. You are an emotional roller coaster, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, did you see that um, news center <laughs> or that rock center piece that they did all about him during Hurricane Sandy yeah. and just how he, like, I think it was about how he like helped people walk their dogs or something. <laughs> it's very strange. I was on the treadmill and a lot of endorphins running through my brain. And uh, it was the hard story to really fell apart in the end. <laughs> well, it was something about how we hung out downtown. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a dog involved. <laughs> so if anyone wants to try to put those pieces together. Figure out where Alec Baldwin was during the hurricane. I'm imagining like a fan with like a basement room. There's a picture of Alec Baldwin, a picture of a dog, and yarn going between the two of them. There's got to be a connection. What don't they want me to find out? We'll unlock your secrets. Uh, yeah, so Rock of Eight. I think you guys enjoyed this movie more than I did. Probably. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a good segue into our final judgments section where we talk about 
whether we thought this was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Hallie, what do you think? Oh, well, I think I said it before that I think the movie started, and I was like, oh, man, this movie really isn't very good. And then I was like, oh, no, this movie's kind of good. And then I was like, oh, this isn't very good at all. And then it was like, oh, no, it's kind of good. <laughs> so... Uh, I took you on an unexpected journey. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> just like The Hobbit, <laughs> part one <laughs> in theaters this December. I think it had music. It had a monkey. Um, <laughs> Allie Haglin says it has the two M's. <laughs> More, please. Um, no, I think it, I. I didn't think it was as bad as I expected it to be. I mean, it was a really bad movie, but I enjoyed it more than I expected to enjoy it. Yeah, for me, this hovered between a bad, bad movie. And a movie I kind of liked. Like, I think it was stupid enough that it was like a big Hollywood fiasco in a way that you don't normally see. Uh, so It I definitely en- looked like a lot of people who usually know what they're doing yeah. had no idea what they were doing. So I enjoyed Which that. Which made me think like, oh, maybe they never know what they're doing. <laughs> they just have really good people telling them what to yeah. do. That's possible. It's like William Goldman, his old saying about the movie business, which is that nobody knows anything in the movie business. It's all kind of chance. But also then I enjoyed like the few moments that something kind of like genuinely funny peeked through or just, you know, people singing songs. I like seeing people sing songs. What do you think, Elliot? I uh, I mean, it wasn't as bad a movie as I thought it was going to be, but I'm still going to give it a bad, bad rating because it just didn't hold. To- I mean, like, even if this wasn't my particular favorite type of music, I do like musicals. I don't have an issue with movies where people burst into song all of a sudden, but... It just didn't hold together, and there just had so many pacing and story problems. Yeah, and there it, there was not a sense of like fun. Like they were riding too much on the fumes of the music. Like you guys love these songs, you'll come see it for the songs, so we don't have to try that hard. And it's an issue I have with jukebox music musicals in general, which is like you're not the musical itself often is not that good, but it's like yeah. you're just working off of the residual mem- feelings people have for this music. Well, I will definitely say that the singing was not really that good and the dancing was terrible. Yeah. So if you're looking for musical stuff, like it's not a good musical. It's a, it's you should a, see a better musical. It's a rock and roll you, musical where the musical elements are mostly awful. But if you're like if you're why drunk you and you want to have the, the equivalent singing, of a karaoke. Well, I don't think this why would you say the singing wasn't good? I mean the sing the actual like the actual quality of the singing was like, okay, these are actors who can sing okay. I guess I just mean what Elliot was saying earlier. Mary about- J. Blige was really good, but okay. she's a real much better. Well, Mary J. Blige was the only person I felt like where when she was singing, she was trying to put any emotion into the song. There's, there's no edge in the way that it's sung. Yeah, everyone else, there was no edge or like feeling. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of like, "This is how I do a perfect version of the song," but they weren't feeling it. You know, there was and like you had a lot of these songs like are pretty, you know bubblegummy rock and roll songs but they do have some growl to them and they just didn't do any of that you yeah. know it was it just felt it felt like you know when kids sing rock and roll songs and like the most the filthiest or like scariest song becomes adorable because <laughs> a kid is singing it and in a weird way it's kind of funny that that's true because a lot of these uh people are not you know like real singers and it's easier to sing like rock and roll music where the perfection of the singing is not as important as the feeling well because there are a lot of great rock and roll singers who don't have very good voices yeah but they like this this movie like went for the perfection more than it went for mm-hmm. the feeling because that's the that's the singing style right now i feel like a lot of a lot of song styles right now are for ultra gloss right. and a lot of polish and it went instead of 
edge or you know roughness or or energy or anything. It like did that. feel like watching The Voice or something. I agree. Yeah, but yeah, you know, if they were songs that I was more into, maybe I would feel differently. But now, guys, now that part of the podcast is over. And the next part of the podcast is just beginning. Uh, our nightmare continues. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, what a great, what a seamless segue. That part's over. Let's go to the next part. What is the next part, Dan? The next part is the Flophouse movie mailbag. Movie mailbag. Letters about movies. Letters from the oh fans about the this movies the we watch and the podcast that we do. It's called the Flophouse with the movie mailbag at the Flophouse. He won't sing I Can't Fight This Feeling anymore, but he'll sing made-up songs about letters. Time for letters from the movie mailbag. A mailbag full of movies? No, it's got mail in it. Otherwise, it'd be a movie bag that doesn't exist. You can't carry movies in a bag unless they're on tape right. or dvd okay that's the end so anyway reading the letters oh, from God. the movie bag we're gonna go through the first one and then the second one I lots of letters good. we gotta read letters they're coming from the mailbag but first they came from you you sent them to the mailbag at that address Mailbag, courtesy of the flop house 123 main street mailbag town in film city <laughs> no postage necessary. Thank you very much. <laughs> Guys, I told you already, I'm not coming to your improvised musical. <laughs> You're gonna, that's why we got to bring it to you. <laughs> Hallie, what time of the show is it? It's time for letters reading from the mailbag. There are going to be lots of letters, not handwritten, mostly typed. There are 26 letters in the God, alphabet, right. but not that many letters in the mailbag. So. It's a tiny bag, a little bag with just a few letters in it. So let's read them and make more room for more letters. Keep writing. This uh, letter is from... Uh, from listen our last name withheld i think that's a pseudonym mm, very clever uh, oh. uh it's titled something stupid i may German? well end up doing again <laughs> something stupid i may well end up doing again I think we, that's a david foster wallace play yeah it's a reference to uh his play uh <laughs> rock of ages <laughs> you didn't know he wrote that that's why it's the only wow. stage musical full of footnotes i meant a play on of course wasn't that some? Wasn't that the name close to the name of Chris Gethard's memoir? Wasn't it like a really dumb thing I'm about to do again? Oh or yeah, something? it was something like that. Well, I thought it was a reference to that porn star Chris Gethard. Thing I'll never do again. That's but, but that's what Chris Gethard's thing was yeah. a play on, I think. Oh well, I hope that answers your question. Uh, <laughs> mailbag close. Close up the mailbag. <laughs> Throw it in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Throw so, it in the Yule log. <laughs> it just bounces against the TV. <laughs> it's elaborate. All right, read the letter. <laughs> it goes like this. So, I just finished listening to every single episode and movie minute you guys ever made. Oh my God, you must have gone insane. In reverse order. Starting with Journey <laughs> 2, The Mysterious Island, and ending with Stealth, with a brief trip back to the present for Battleship. That's about four and a half full days of free-ranging conversation about bad movies with the comedy focus. <laughs> Listen to in less than a month. It was interesting. Dot, 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 interesting. Yeah. I must say... <laughs> so did you not like it? <laughs> if nothing else, it made me better understand T.H. White's Merlin. Every now and then, an element of the show that stopped showing up in later episodes appeared and seemed new and baffling to me. 
but natural and even trite to you. Then, as I worked my way through your back catalog, I too became used to it. Learned to love it until the dreaded moment where you orig- originally introduced it. Oh, it sounds like Time's Arrow. Yeah, meaning, by Martin that, Amos. meaning that it would be the last time I would encounter it. Wow, wow! What was that? It sounded like some kind of hat. <laughs> cat. Perhaps a house cat. I want to recommend this movie. It's that about sounded a- like a guitar sting, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, Dan's not the usual house cat guy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to recommend this movie. It's about a freak who lives in a castle and rips off his own ding dong. Meet our new is he, guest. Does he think we haven't heard this stuff? <laughs> no offense, listener, our name withheld. But uh... Meet our new guest host. He works for The Daily Show or something. So I just brought bought these new microphones. I'm I... a girl. <laughs> no, this is it's about when I came in. Oh. I just bought these new microphones. I guess the show will not sound as shitty as it has up until now. Those were fucking heartbreaking, you guys. <laughs> I thought you might like to know. See, this is the re- I, I oh. made this reference to you, Elliot, about Merlin. Living backwards in time, and that was the first time you'd heard of it. But yeah, uh, but he's familiar with it too. Conversa- confirmation from a or listener. she. Well, thank you for yeah, for doing. Sexist. It's like it's like my whole <laughs> life was flashing before my eyes, except for most of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> since the Flophouse takes up a relatively small part of my life. But uh, yeah. it's an interesting. Maybe I'll do it that way now, and I'll think About that eight hours a month. Maybe I'll think that Simon has replaced me, <laughs> and then I'll call you up and I'll be like, "Dan, am I still on the Flophouse?" Yeah, and I'll be like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> We're recording tonight. Oh, Come okay. On. Get over here. And then I will... Well, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Hallie, I was about what, to, I was what about do you just... think about that letter? I think I can't believe someone spent so much time listening to you guys. Hey, we're very listenable. I guess so. We have a lot of diehard fans, and we love them. Way to go, floppers. Keep it up. Except maybe tone it down on the AV Club comment boards, because you guys can be thugs sometimes. Ha- Hallie, all that time that you've been... Spending tuning Elliot and me out in your office. We were carrying I you. Know. Yeah, they... <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> all that time. Were... There was only one set of ear prints. <laughs> <laughs> that was us. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, this next letter is titled Second Letter. Oh, God. Same Bad. as the first. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, that would be terrible. <laughs> Second letter is titled Alcohol and Movies. Okay. It's from Robert oh, Last Name Withheld. Dan enjoys both of. <laughs> Alcohol and movies. Floppers, what are your thoughts on drinking and watching movies? Specifically, drinking and watching a good movie. I recently saw The Master and enjoyed a high ABV IPA during the movie. I felt like the slight buzz combined with the dark theater actually made the alienating nature of the film more pronounced. I know that drinking and action movies and bad movies go together... But I wondered what you thought about drinking with serious films. Does it benefit or detract? I had a similar experience with Drive. I wrote a while ago about Private Lessons star Patrick Piccinini. Piccinini. Dan's had a little too much to drink. Just spell it out, Dan. It's P I C C. Sound it out. Okay. P I C C I N I N N I. How the hell would Piccinini, maybe? All right. I wrote a while ago about Pat, Private Lessons star Pac, Patrick Piccinini. Don't, why would you try to say the name again? Just skip it. <laughs> running for a judge here in Columbus, Ohio. He did not win. Oh, that's terrible. He I needed feel, more lessons. I feel that his lack of private lessons-based advertising cost him the election. <laughs> As a reminder, he played Chubby Child Sherman. <laughs> Wait, so he wasn't even the star? <laughs> no. But as a reminder to us, the original question was about drinking. I wish that the I hope the character's movies. name was Chubby Child Sherman. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I would think, I mean, I don't know. I don't really drink that much usually. You're a nearly teetotal gentleman. Not as much as I once was. I, I gave you a Guinness tonight in celebration of your birthday, but that's, and that's I drank a rare. It. No, no, I mean, I don't know, but like. He poured it down the toilet while you what? were away, Dan. Yeah. That's well, in, the intermediate step gift? was putting it in my body and, and turning said... it into urine, and then I poured that in the toilet <laughs> out of me. All right. But the. Uh, I'll allow it. I would think maybe for something like Drive, I could make sense because Drive is about. Visual sensation for the most part, and more than anything. And the master was in a bit. And the way master too. is too, yeah. yeah. And I, frankly, the ma- drinking before the master may help to smooth over how the story problems that that movie has. But in general, I feel like when you really want to uh, enjoy a movie, it helps to be able to give it total attention. And I don't know; it depends on the person. Maybe if drinking helps you or hurts you at that. I mean, I probably wouldn't recommend it if it's something that you've seen, you're. Seeing for the first time that you really want to pay a lot of attention to. Yeah. Or you're, or you're taking a test on it or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're taking a driving test afterwards. <laughs> or during. Be before that. I mean, you shouldn't be watching a movie while you're taking a driving test anyway, so don't, unless, and definitely not drinking. Unless you can put the iPod in your field of vision and still see the road, mm-hmm. then that's probably okay. Maybe but, like the movie Drive might help you. Yeah. A lot of driving in that movie. But if it's a movie that uh, you've seen before that's like a personal favorite of your, like I. Feel like there, I've watched a couple of Coen Brothers movies recently while slowly sipping on some whiskey, and that just enhances the pleasure of watching it. Hmm. Dan's definition of slow: <laughs> glug glug glug. Yeah, just tossing it back. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Anything short of pouring the bottle into his mouth <laughs> is so slow. He, do, he does that. Pee, drink a bottle while you're peeing on the floor trick all the time because mm-hmm. that's just how fast it goes through. Hallie, what do you have to say about this subject? Uh, I think that, um, yeah, I agree with Elliot. If it's a certain type of movie, like I can see why you would enjoy The Master or Drive while drinking a bit. But honestly, I find that I get too tired in yeah. if I if I'm drinking and watching a movie, and I either fall asleep or miss things that I wish I hadn't missed. So. That's- not a big drinker. That's Daniels. what I would worry about because I seem to – I've reached apparently the age where I've – the combination of a dark room and anything over, I guess, freezing temperature puts me to sleep. Yeah. So when I'm in a movie theater, I'm already – even when I'm really loving the movie I'm watching, I'm already at risk of falling asleep. Mm-hmm. So to add alcohol, that would be a bad idea, I think. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a strange like calculation because I feel like if, I've, if I start drinking at night – I'm fine. I can stay awake all through the whole thing. But what if you start drinking in the morning? But no. But if I have, <laughs> you've like, been drinking all day. If I went to like a barbecue or something, like if I'm drinking like in, the, uh, in like the middle of the afternoon, and then I come home, or you're I'm, at work, I'm asleep drinking in the middle of the, the couch. <laughs> I'm asleep on the couch by six or seven, like, and, and that's just that's just aging. Yeah, that has nothing to do with movies. That's just something more to do with. We're me, all getting guys. older, all of us except Merlin. Guys, tell me, I still look handsome. Come on, <laughs> I will not. Come on. Still? I've just a, <laughs> I've got a lot of youthful vigor still in Hey, me. why Come don't on. you go on to the next letter, which I believe is letter number three. Letter number three. If there's three. another letter from me, from you, the viewer or listener would be more accurate, I guess. Letter number three. It's the best letter to be. If your letter... Number, number three. three. <laughs> Letter number three is taped before a live studio audience. 
freaks out. We're <laughs> all doing that now. Um, Make with the letter, Dan. So uh, this last letter of the evening is titled, Dan is Ignorant. Uh-huh. I like this one. Sounds about right. Possession is weird. Dan, how ignorant you are. I can't speak for mainline Protestants. They're too boring to pay much attention to, what with their reasonableness and staidness. But fundamentalist Protestants totally believe in demons pretty much all the time. They denounce psychics and witches as having... or Is this the, off of the devil this inside? Is off of the devil inside, okay. sorry. Yeah. They denounce psych- psychics and witches as having demonic spirits supplying their eerie powers, claim that certain monuments and places are territory for specific demons, maintain that all contact with space aliens is actually demons trying to trick people into doubting the Bible, and believe that visions of the Virgin Mary are actually a plot, uh, a demonic plot. Also, some of the more adventurous fundamentalists believe in Nephilim. That's a deep Torah cut for you. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that one. And claim that NASA is currently plotting to create more as a part of an alien breeding (laughs) program, which suggests that at some point one of them saw a species. Also... (laughs) Or the astronaut's wife. (laughs) Also, he writes, Elliot, on your recommendation, I I rewatched Possession. Although your description was basically correct, I don't think it did justice to just how bonkers that movie is. (laughs) It's super bonkers. You didn't talk about the desultory spy thriller subplot or the lackadaisical gunfight or the way that all the characters seem to have some kind of neurological disorder that makes them twitch uncontrollably and shout most of their dialogue, which is all repetitive and doesn't seem to bear any resemblance to how people actually talk. You didn't mention the film's whoa, whoa. weird... The movie involves a woman having sex with a tentacle monster, and you're like, these characters don't talk no, like he's, normal he's, people. he's getting to it. You oh, didn't okay. mention the film's weird half-baked philosophizing with Jim's like, I believe God is under the porch with the dead dog, or Heinrich's claim that nobody should ever force their will on anyone else, but that it's cool for him to rape Isabella Ijani because he, quote, asks for nothing and may therefore demand everything. There's also a pretty good, very brief karate fight, too. <laughs> You failed to bring up the tentacle monster's curious evolution, or the way that Sam Neill appears to gradually turn into a rat man over the course of the film. <laughs> In short, that shit is the weirdest movie I've ever seen, and I've seen The Wedding Trough, Kissed, and Invasion from Inner Earth. And if you can think of anything stranger, please let me know. I want to be able to win any who's watched the weirdest movie arguments that might arise. Yours in Crom, Lawrence, last name withheld. Oh, it's too bad Stuart's not here to worship Crom with him. Uh, but to the first point... De- uh, demonic possession. Yes, I am discounting uh, your your evangelical Christians, your fundy Christians. I I did grow up in a more mainstream Protestant. But you tradition. grew up near a near a, a particular Christian sect, right? I that did. Not here. I grew up near the Apostolic Christians, who were, I would say, sort of Mennonite. Oh, that's not so crazy. I guess I wouldn't. Yeah, I I don't know that. They were big on like the idea of demonic possession. They, they're big on the idea of the devil. I would say that the devil is certainly a, a bit large component of uh, fundamentalist Protestantism, but I don't know that uh, possession specifically. Well, they they do exorcisms and things. Not them, but you see those videos online of evangelical exorcisms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Usually, the demons want to make people gay. Yeah, and that's what they exercise out, and it's like. Demons. Is that really exor- the biggest you could like? That's the most damage you can you, think of. Usually, they exercise it by inserting yeah, the demons. Penis you gotta into get a, with the times. Butthole, you know, wow, Dan. I'm just saying, Dan. This is a family podcast. <laughs> is it? Well, I consider us. I consider us like family. <laughs> hey, when you're here, you're family. 
Yeah, well, because you live in an Olive Garden. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I'm squatting here. Don't tell anyone I'm under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm under your table right now, presuming you're listening to this at an Olive Garden. Which I assume you are. <laughs> you should probably take your headphones out and pay it's attention rude. to your friends. <laughs> pay attention to your family. <laughs> Which you are treated like but when you're But before you do that... Please stick a breadstick or two Unless under the table alone. for me. If you're there alone, then keep listening to the podcast because it's sad enough that you're at an Olive Garden alone. You Hoping, need... I guess, to flag down a family. <laughs> Pass a few pepperoncini down to me. And get a bottomless salad bowl? Yeah. What's bottomless over there? The salad Everything. bowl? The soup bowl? The waitresses? Everything. What? <laughs> Everything except for the customers. They've got plenty of bottom. Oh. <laughs> So clever. So and possession, <laughs> possession, and the movie possession, and we've said it. It's super bonkers. Oh, I don't know anything about this. I have nothing to say. <laughs> All right, let's move on then. It's fine. We had a lot of good Olive Garden material. So well, uh, I'd say a lot of good Olive Garden material. <laughs> well, it's not like a tight five or anything. <laughs> no, let's not take it. Let's not do any open mics just yet. We still got to develop this. So anyway, uh, this is the last segment of the evening. Again, Your a flawless is so cute. <laughs> This is falling apart. Dan, I think Hallie, next time we have her do the show, we gotta put the cat in the other room. <laughs> she won't pay attention to me. <laughs> that I'm sorry. Da- just because you didn't raise her like I did. I'm sure that if I went over to your house, Henry would ignore me. That's not true. Henry's not like that. He's very friendly. Henry is a cat for the listeners. <laughs> so this is the last segment. Where we just uh, we recommend films that we've seen and we liked, mm-hmm. not like Rock of Ages, which we saw and some of us kind of liked. Uh, Elliot, what film would you like to recommend to our listeners? Shall I go first? All you right, shall. I shall. I'd like to recommend a movie I saw recently. It's a 1950s kind of military suspense thriller starring Richard Widmark and a very young Rip Torn, who's very good in it. Uh, and it's the only movie ever directed by Carl Malden. Uh, which is too bad because it's not a bad movie and he does some interesting things with it. It's kind of directed, it's a little stagey, but otherwise I like it. And it's a movie called Time Limit. Uh, It's right after the Korean War and a bunch of American POWs are trying to figure out, or rather Richard Widmark, who's an investigator, I guess he's like whatever the army version of a JAG is, I suppose. Um, He is trying to figure out why this one soldier basically turned and collaborated with the enemy and recorded radio broadcasts and things like that, call, saying America was at fault for this war. Uh, and the soldier is kind of giving up too easily. He refuses to defend himself. And so Richard Widmark thinks there's more to this story than meets the eye, and he has to kind of dig deeper to find out what actually happened in this POW camp and why nobody who was there wants to tell the truth about what happened and is eager to cover it up and send this other guy to, to sacrifice himself, basically, and just go to jail for collaborating. Uh, and it's a tight little suspense thriller of the kind of uh, liberal humanist message mode that Hollywood did in the uh, 40s and 50s, but it doesn't have a kind of pat ending, and it refuses to... It raises questions about kind of when you should follow military law and when not, but doesn't answer those questions, which I kind of... Uh, appreciated everyone gets their chance to say to make a case for themselves uh but it's also suspenseful so time limit i'd recommend that 
Allie Hagland, would you like to recommend something to our listeners? I was going to steal the movie you told me you were going to say, but now I can't remember what it is. (laughs) Lucky you. (laughs) Uh, Which makes it, just think, if I can't remember what movie you like, think how hard it is for me to think of a movie that I've ever liked. That does make sense. It'd be easier easier. to remember the one that (laughs) you Why don't you recommend like The Last Unicorn or something? I think I did that last time. Uh, No, I will recommend... Music by America. (laughs) For those who haven't seen it, which I'm sure as the movie buffs that you are, you probably have, but I just saw the original Red Dawn for the first time. And uh, Mm. with the new one in the theaters, I'd say revisit that old classic. (laughs) That old chestnut. Uh, I did not realize that everyone... Who was anyone was in that movie. And I didn't even know that Jennifer Grey was in a movie besides Dirty Dancing and then that movie she did about sailing after she got her nose job and nobody recognized her. Mm-hmm. Um, Turns out all her charm was in her nose. I know. Just like Carl Malden, <laughs> director of Time Limit. See it today. <laughs> all I can think of when I hear Carl, Carl Malden is that MST3K thing. That ends in Carl Malden's nose. Yeah, about uh, it's it's Godzilla's history, I think. Yeah. <sighs> oh no, so you mean. don't suppose? <laughs> oh yes, yes. Horror of horrors, Carl Malden's nose, and Carl Malden was still alive at the time. Yeah, just cruel. So, what movie was it? Red Dawn. Yeah, the original R- Red OG. Dawn. <laughs> RDOG. Um, I would like to recommend uh, a film called Tabloid. Oh yeah, that was it. Famed documentarian Errol Morris, who you may know for uh, films such as The Thin Blue Line, uh, Gates of Heaven, The Fog of War, Fast, mm-hmm. Cheap, and Out of Control, mm-hmm. uh, and Mr. One. Death. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, too. Uh, some Keep other going. ones. Vernon, Errol. Florida. Yeah, that one, too. I don't know why I'm blanking on some on, on his more recent movies. Famously, uh, first person series. One of the few people to be so frustrating that Werner Herzog had trouble dealing with him. Oh, really? I didn't realize. Oh, I'll tell you some stories. Just he, uh, he, Werner, he was one of Werner Herzog's students, and uh, there's and he was just very difficult to deal with. And there's a story that he, I think it was Gates of Heaven he was working on, but I'm not sure. And he didn't have the money to finish it. And Werner Herzog, and he was mad about it for some reason. And Werner Herzog went to see him and literally gave him the cash to finish it. And Errol Morris got so mad that he threw the money out the window of his apartment. And Werner Herzog went outside and got it and brought it back up to him and said, don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hopefully I'm remembering the story correctly. And he has a book out now. Werner anyway. uh, uh, Herzog? Or no, Errol, Errol Morris. Morris. He has a book uh, refuting the uh, McGinnis book, Fatal Vision, about the uh, the murders that led to the very, very excellent book, the murderer, the journalist, and the murderer, uh, by J- Ann Jacobs. No, J- uh, no, something. Jan. Uh, no, Janet Malcolm. Sorry, Janet Malcolm. Uh, but tabloid is about uh, a woman who, depending on uh, who you ask, either she kidnapped a young Mormon gentleman, chained him to her bed, and raped him, or that young Mormon gentleman claimed that she kidnapped him and raped him because uh, his religion uh, made it so shameful for him to have uh, had these sexual desires for this woman that rather than be excommunicated, he made this up. And this was a tabloid sensation in the British press. And and I won't go too much further. There are like more revelations in the movie. But it's fun to like the book of revelations for yourself. Yes, exactly like the book of revelations, like the seven headed beast and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it's a movie about 
uh, it's a movie about you know like the nature of truth and constructing truth, but it's also just a very entertaining movie about uh, tabloid journalism, and it's an interesting character study of this lady who is obviously crazy, but the level to which she's crazy is maybe not so obvious. And uh, it's just done very entertainingly. You know, Errol Morris is always good for an entertaining documentary. So that's my recommendation. What, what do you say, guys? What do you think? I say, thank sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Allie, thank you for stepping in. Thank you so much for being I mean, our Stuart's guest host. stupid job kept you from being here. Yeah, yeah, well. We can only pay you in being close to a cat. Yeah. Oh. But look at it. It's lying there, not doing much of anything. Just like a cat. <laughs> Adorable. But thank you for being here. To our listeners, thank you for listening. And mm-hmm. to Dan, thank Go you for being yourself. here. <laughs> Whoa, Allie. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Well, uh, no, actually, you know what? That's better than what I was going to say. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Dan. Thanks, guys. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot. Hold on. Kalen. Elliot Kalen. And I am and always will be. <laughs> Hallie Hackett. Wait, that's the kind of thing I usually say. <laughs> Good night, everyone. You're just staring off into space. I'm watching Elliot. You're like that dog in that video we watched. <laughs> <laughs> he loved getting a bath. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know why it was versus a bath, since he loved it. <laughs> I know. It was like, it wasn't versus, it was... Meets bath, falls in love. <laughs> <laughs>